It's that time, so let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS. What's up, BSers? What is up, peeps? Fred, Scott, Brian, James, all in the studio tonight. We're all pumped up after a big, big Ravens win on week one. Yeah, baby. As we took a shit right on the chest of the Browns. <laughs> it was that good old Cleveland steamer, baby. OBJ is going to throw it up like Adam and knock it down. I so regret coming up with that title for the show. <laughs> so yes, thank you, thank you to producer Brian yeah. for that. Thank you, family guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ravens beat the doo-doo out the Browns. And we are high. No, no, we didn't beat the doo-doo out of them. They were already doo-doo. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Uh, now we got to turn our attention to one of the better quarterbacks in the league, you know, not Baker Mayfield. Uh, we're looking at Deshaun <laughs> Watson, right? We got the Houston Texans up next week, we two. went. We went from pay me to play me. That's right. So we're talking a little bit about that. Uh, we're back week two with our NFL prediction sponsored by MyBookie. We're going to talk a little bit about our predictions for all the primetime games, of course, including the Ravens games as well. Uh, the Orioles, we got a lot to talk about with them. They kind of hit a roadblock going up to, to New York there, but uh, turned things around in a big way last night as they blew out the Braves. Yeah, they just 14-1. to I mean, what? What more can you ask for? One of their biggest their biggest scores of the year. Right. All right. Before we get into too much, though, I do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal. Oh, man, Brian, what happened? This is going to be a fun night. This is what happens when I take a week off. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, let, let, let's try that again uh, as I go back into fade here. So, uh, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. Our Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. But if you want a team that will handle your case, big, small, doesn't matter the size, just gives you that peace of mind. Save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including gift cards to your favorite local restaurants. All right, Brian, Scott, James, how you guys feeling? Woohoo! We got oh, one in the books. We're 1-0. Oh. 1-0, oh. oh, baby. On our way to the 16-0 uh, and 0 predictions that uh, some of those Colin Coward. All right, Colin, Colin Coward, Coward relax there. over there. Maybe. We'll see. I, listen, I'm pumped. I don't care. I know it's the Browns. You know, we all expected to beat the Browns. We all picked the Ravens to win this game. Did we, did we really expect to lose a season opener, especially at home? <sighs> Bro, we have been dominant the last four or five years now in season openers. It just goes to speak to how prepared this Ravens team is as an organization. You know, even with... All the challenges that we've all faced, you know, again, it's not like the Ravens have an advantage in this category in any kind of way. This is uncharted territory for every NFL organization. But somehow the Ravens were able to still find, you know, find ways to make this game work, be efficient, uh, and didn't really look to be stagnant in any one area to me. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I got to shout out to Nick real quick because he has the best comments so far. Shit and Browns, that's redundant. <laughs> 
it is. That is perfect. Uh, no, this, this game was there was a lot that that I liked in this game. Um, there were there were some things that I'm not going. I don't want to even say the word concern, right? But areas of improvement. Yeah. Any good team, no matter how good you are, you're going to magnify the areas that you could have done better. Your opportunities, right? Yeah, I get that. So I, I got to start for me when I look at this at this game mm-hmm. and I look at the overall picture. There was one thing that wasn't really prevalent in this game that I think looking at our roster, you would have thought would have been prevalent. And that's the run game. All right, so let's digest that a little bit, right? Let's let's kind of take that and dissect that a little bit. The run game, uh, obviously, with the yardage total-wise that they put up as a team, they put up 107 total yards in this game, which is the lowest team total that they've put up in the Lamar Jackson era. Yeah. So if you're just looking at it on a box score... Yeah, doesn't look good, doesn't look impressive. But what that, I think, speaks more volumes to is how much this team is evolving in the passing game, how much more efficient they are as an offensive unit together, how much better Lamar Jackson is, how much better his targets are. Yeah. That I'm not saying that we still won't lead the league in rushing this year. I do still think we're going to lead the league in rushing this year. I just think that this is more of a sample size of what we kind of expect moving forward is more of a shift to a pass-happy offense, a well, more pass-happy offense. Well, I think it's it's not necessarily what we've been calling for is not a pass-happy offense. Let's let's kind of let's let's set the record straight. What I particularly have been calling for, and I know you kind of say this, is a balanced attack, yeah. right? And and the one thing you know you, you said that 107 yards that's on 30 carries. Yeah. Now there's two TDs in there, but both by the rookie. Yeah. Lamar led the team with seven carries for 45 yards. Right. Ingram was stunted in this game. 10 yards, or sorry, 10, 10 carries for 29 yards. Yeah. He, he could not get more than three, four yards. If you're in the red zone, that's what you're looking for. That's great. But when you're asking him to do that on our 40-yard line, yeah, you can't, like, that's not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to pinpoint anything in this game that was kind of a surprise to me, it was the lack of production from Mark Ingram, uh, just obviously the savvy vet. To me, there were times he just, he looked maybe a little out of place. He looked a little slow. I don't know if it's just, again, the lack of the preseason and whatnot. Maybe age is a little bit catching up to him at this point. It could be a big part of the reasons that the Ravens took, obviously, J.K. Dobbins in the second right. round. But even even Gus, who's a, who's a fairly north-to-south runner at times, even he struggled. All right, so let's di- dissect that a little bit further, right? So I, I think you're kind of alluding to maybe uh, some issues along the offensive line. And I know that was one of the big questions that we had coming into this season was, how is this offensive line going to look as a group? You know, you lose the savvy veteran in Marshall Yonda, who was still at the top of his game when he, was, he walks away. Let's be real. Let's let's be absolutely real. Marshall Yonda, A, looks fking amazing, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah. Looks great. If you have seen Doesn't look like he ever played a down of football in his life, though. No, he looks you know like he, a, no, he does. He looks like a goddamn tight end. <laughs> it looks like a coach to me more than <laughs> well, anything. But anyway. Small. But anyway, he you know, his loss, he not only was the vocal leader on that team, he also I think held the schemes together on that offensive line. And that's really what I, I I wonder who on that line is, you know, out there. Is it Skura that's out there, you know, kind of being that leader? Is it Stanley? Yeah. Uh, you know, he goes down, Flukerest come in. Th- those type of things, I, I don't know. But there was, I found, from my perspective, I felt like the interior of the offensive line 
either wasn't a hundred percent or wasn't gelling as much. Well, I mean, when you look at that, right, there was a lot of question marks. You've got Matt Skura, who Harbaugh alluded to this uh, in his, his interview, was completely not counting on Matt Skura to be available week one in the offseason. He yeah. thought there's no way he's going to be ready. He's going to start the year on the pup list. So that speaks to volumes of how much work and how much determination Matt Skura has as a player to be available week one. So it's, it's, it's not having the preseason, knocking the rust off, him kind of getting back in. Uh, you've got a rookie – and Tyree Phillips playing right guard, who was a tackle through his whole entire college career. So he's playing a little bit out of position, right. which honestly, I think he only gave up like two pressures in this game. So yeah, it wasn't a, a lot. So but. for a rookie playing out of position, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, as you said, you know, he had, he had Ronnie Stanley go down kind of early in this game. So you had DJ Fluker have to come in and play reserve and tackle. He gave up a few, uh, you know, a few uh, pressures himself. I think he gave up two or three himself. So there's definitely, you know, some areas of improvement, but nothing that causes concern to me. Like I said, I think part of the struggles with the run game was the lack of preseason. Yeah. And then I think to everybody's point out there and, and, and to what you were saying earlier is that this is just us being a more balanced offense. There are hands down going to be games this year where we're going to rush for over 350 yards for a team again, as a team again. We've done that countless amount of times, and that's going to happen. Oh. It's just this week, think about this, they had two corners, starting corners, that weren't available. So the game plan was attack them through the air, yes. attack them over the middle, get your big play targets involved, and they were able to do that. I don't disagree. What I was pointing out, right, it, it's not, I'm not, and I see a few people saying I'm overreacting. Look, I'm not saying this is something to worry about. I'm simply saying, every, I said that, and I prefaced when I said this, so you may have come in late, but I'm saying, if you're going to point at anything, our biggest opportunity, it was the run game. And yeah. I, in my eyes, it comes from the off the interior offensive line, because not only were we able to, were we struggling to get north and south running in, yeah. but we were also struggling Look, two sacks on Lamar, it's, yeah, it's not horrible. Right. But it's also not great either. Right. No, right? I, I agree with that. And so that's where my point is, is if I've got to say there's an area opportunity, I'm going to focus in on this one area. And I guarantee you, if any of you fans out there think that the Ravens offensive line room is going, we did a great job this week, you're, you're kidding yourselves. Because they know that as good as they did do, that there's room for improvement. There, there is always room for improvement. Garnett, <laughs> Garnett brings up a pretty funny comic. Baker has more commercials than wins. That's uh, <laughs> that is accurate. That's pretty accurate, my friend. Uh, all right, so let's let's shift over to the good and what was really good in this game was the progression of Lamar as a passer. You know, we've all as Raven fans, we get the 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 opportunity to watch this guy develop over his career, right? We watch him week in and week out for our diehard fans out there, and we know what Lamar is as a passer. Oh yeah. But he's still in the offseason, even going into this season, he had nothing but critics still dissecting his, you know, his game as a passer and and criticizing every which thing. Well, let me tell you, if this game didn't shut those critics up. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. 20 of 25 for 275 and three touchdowns. Now, mind you, right, one of his biggest criticism is how he is a passer from the pocket. Yeah. Speaking from the pocket alone, he was 15 of 18 for 199 yards, and all three of his touchdowns yeah. were thrown from the pocket, not on the move. Yeah, and the other big knock that, that came out of last year, right, was it was very, it was very prevalent that he was favoring 
Andrews and Hollywood. Yeah. Because those are who the guys you're going to favor the guys you have they the connection with. They were his with. security blankets. Look, and this game, by the numbers, yes, they were by one pass. They both had five receptions. Willie Sneed also had a reception in this game, including a reception for a touchdown. Yeah. He had four receptions in this game. You had Boykin that got involved. You had yeah. uh, Duvernay that got involved. Everybody got the ball. Seven different receivers in this game. Between Hollywood, Boykin, and Sneed, you're one, two, and three, combined for 12 receptions, 202 yards, and the touchdown to, uh, to Sneed that you mentioned. Yeah. Boy, or Hollywood Brown showed the explosion, showed the speed. He had the deep catch for 40-something yards, uh, which was, I mean, a thread-the-needle type pass. Like, I mean, it couldn't have been put in a better spot. We talked about, yeah. like, hitting Hollywood in stride. He hit him in stride. Uh, it was just hit it, him across the middle on two or two, I think it was two throws as well that he hit him, or one throw, <laughs> one throw that he hit him across the middle when, on. When you look at, at Lamar's game and you say, what was his worst throw of the day? His worst throw was a damn touchdown to Mark Andrews. That was his worst throw. <laughs> yes, it was. Troy, Troy comments, if you pull this up, we ran a bubble screen. I had to make sure that I was still watching the Ravens. I wasn't expecting <laughs> right. that bubble screen either. But it just goes to show you they're, they're, they're developing. Evo they're evolutionizing not just Lamar's game. But you got to remember, everything that the Ravens are doing right now is under a microscope yeah. because they're looking at it, and it's not just you know all the, the analysts and everything that are looking at it. It's other teams because they're looking at it and trying to start mimicking it. We're yeah. starting to see more and more teams that are mimicking the style of the, the Chiefs, of the Ravens, and saying we need to build a team like that because it's being successful year in, year out so far. And I tell you what, one thing that really got me excited about this week is Obviously, this is the first week NFL football, so I was super excited to digest every possible game that I could. So I watched as much football as I possibly could over the last couple of days. And one of the things I kind of honed in on, one for fantasy purposes and another for, uh, you know, obviously Ravens purposes <laughs> and whatnot. Fantasy was, purposes first and foremost. <laughs> was Mark Andrews in the tight end position, right? And I watched Kelsey play. I watched Kittle play, who obviously got hurt in his game. And I watched Andrews. If you don't think Mark Andrews is a top three tight end at this point, then you're just not watching football. You're not watching Shit. these he's, tight ends play. He's not a top three tight end. He's a top three or top ten receiver. Yeah. Think yeah, about I mean, that. Yeah, I'm saying a tight end is a top ten receiver in the league. Yeah. He, he's just – he's the real deal. Again, smart football player, high football IQ, comes back to the football. He's got that relationship and that connection with Lamar. There's not an uncatchable ball. If he can get his fucking hand on the ball nine it. times out of ten, he's going to come down did, with the ball. Did you see the comments that after the game that each of them had about each other? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, it was kind of cute. The it, was cute. Bag it, it was cute. Lamar, <laughs> Lamar was asked about Andrews, and Andrews goes, or, you know, Lamar goes, yeah, for being a a top two guy, he's the he's the best top he's the best top there is. Right, like you know, basically giving him the credit, saying for anybody that wants to say he's below a top two top two tight end, you're crazy. That's coming from his own quarterback. And then Andrews flips around and says he's the best player in the world right now. Yeah, and I tell you what, the way that he's the way that he's playing, there's an argument to be made. There's an argument to be made for a few different guys, but I tell you what, not trying to take the homerism out of me. I don't think you can make an argument against it. I think it's difficult to make an argument against it. Uh, he's definitely one of the best for sure. But you had mentioned earlier, uh, J.K. Dobbins just kind of in passing. In his debut, 
uh, had two touchdowns in this game. Didn't have a ton of attempts, didn't get a ton of yards, but he did have two touchdowns in the red zone when it mattered the most, right? Um, Here's one of the things that I really liked about this game that stood out to me. Not just J.K. Dobbins, but the rookies as a group. The rookies as a whole. I mean, you had big contributions in this game from every rookie that was available in this game. I hope this season looks like this game because Eric DeCosta is looking to, looking to look like a goddamn genius. Exactly. And that, he is, that, That's my point. I, I put a tweet out about that uh, earlier yesterday, I think. Uh, but listen, the only rookies from this, this year's draft class that didn't play in this game, Geno Stone, who is a seventh-round pick, right? Yeah. Not fully expected to play at seventh round. Bre- uh, Bredesen. And that was kind of a surprise to me. I thought Bredesen might have a role in this offense, but an offensive line, but yeah. just didn't didn't suit up. He wasn't available to play. Uh, and then um, Matabuke, who was hurt, yeah. right? So legitimate, you only had two rookies that did not play in this game. Outside of that, all of them did. Dobbins, we already talked about, had two touchdowns in this game. We talked about the wide receivers. Devin Duvernay, right? He had a catch for 12 yards, but he had two kick returns for 64 yards. Yeah. You could see his athleticism on both of those returns. Yeah, that's that's exactly what you want. You know, this, this is a way to get in, get in John Harbaugh's good graces. Yeah. Do good on special teams. Well, <laughs> to that point, one way you don't get good in John, John Harbaugh's graces, uh, James Prochet, he had two punt returns for 26 yards. But more importantly, he did let one yeah. go that got down inside the five, which uh, if you do follow. Uh, he should have caught it and, and at least gotten five, six yards out of it. The guy yeah. was right on him. I get that. But you could have had a few yards and not <laughs> pinned him back. If you follow former Raven uh, Michael Campanero uh, on Twitter, he made a comment uh, after that happened talking about, oh, man, I know somebody that's going to get an ass chewing after that because he's been that guy. I was going to say, he's been there. He, he knows exactly what Harbaugh is like. He has absolutely that. been that guy in the past. And I think Prochet, to me, just seems like one of those guys that will quickly learn from it. It was a mistake that he made. Harbs will probably get into his ass a little bit, and he'll learn from it, and I don't think we'll see that mistake. Do you think he'll get as a, as a rookie he's going to get into yes. his ass that much? Or 100%. Nip it in the ass now before it becomes an issue. And while he has no ego, like, hit this guy now. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think because Prochet is going to be in the mix for both the punt returner and the kick returner all season long because well, they really don't have a whole lot of options. No, my, my concern is you get into this guy's confidence too early, yeah. right, from a, from, a, from a coaching perspective. If I hit him too hard, if I hit him with the right hook when he's already down – it's gonna it's gonna be a problem. You know that's in, this guy's good, yeah. right? That's already in his head. So to go and give him the right hook and say, you, no, you no, know, no. lay into him. You're saying lay into him. I'm saying I'm it's co- Harb's way. I know, but I'm coaching him, right? I'm coaching him, saying, look, we're gonna, we're gonna let this one go. Moving forward, just make sure you're doing this. You got to make sure you're on this next time. I'm gonna lay into you. But this right, I, wrong, give- or indifferent. I don't think that's how Harb's would approach it. I think Harb's going to get into him. That's just my opinion. I don't know, and I'm just going off not, of what Campanero tra- said. Who's been that guy? Fair. Campanero wasn't the guy as a rookie making his first his first snap at at that at that position. It's, right. it, it, it's so funny that Scott's taking the millennial approach. Going, you got to cater this guy. No, you <laughs> can't talk mean to this guy. Don't upset his no. feelings. Uh, John, John Harbaugh was a special teams coach for Christ's sake. Of course, he's going to lay into him. That's his niche. That's how he got the job for the Ravens. Of course, right. he's going to lay into him. Right. When's the last time Prochet fielded a kick return? I will grant you that, but it's a learning experience. I would exactly, I mean, he, he exactly. It's a learning college. experience for a guy. You're not going to – my point is you're not going to lay in a guy. You're not going to go, you fucked up, you motherfucker. You're not going to do that. That's, That's not, not going to be your approach. Though. 
Well, he might, not, he might not go that way. Bull's he's not going to use that kind of language, but he's going to get an ass in front of the camera. In front of the camera, he's not using that. My he's, point is, is you, you know, you're talking about laying into the guy. When I think of laying into laying into a guy, I, that's what I'm thinking about, right? I I, I'm thinking about that type of mentality. I think you're honing in a little too much and laying into a him. I, anyway. think, I think you're focusing a little anyway. bit too much. <laughs> but anyway, so you had Broderick Washington, who I didn't really expect a whole lot of out of in this game because I thought it might be a few games before we see him get into the rotation. Well, let me tell you, he got into the rotation. I think he had a really good game. There were a couple of plays that I saw in this guy where he drove his offensive lineman back at least two or three yards into the pocket. So, I mean, he was he showed amazing strength in this game. Yeah. And then, obviously, what everybody wanted to see on the defensive side of the ball were the two rookie linebackers. How are they going to do as starters in, you know, in, a, in an NFL game for the first time, no preseason, none of that? Let me tell you, Patrick Queen – Led the team in tackles. He had the forced fumble. He got a sack. Yeah. I think he made a hell of an impression. That's, that's a great first impression to have, right? To come out in your first game and, and truly from the first snap making an impact. Right. Right? In the first, Within the first drive, he made an impact on that game. Yeah. And I think it also, also kind of set the tone. Look. When you get some of these rookies come in, it's hard to gauge. You know, there, there's excitement. There's adrenaline. Things like that. But when that guy makes a big play and gets gets what you want done, yeah, that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see that passion. Well, one of the things that we kind of were high on Patrick Queen was his speed, right, and his ability to pass or to, to cover and pass coverage. One of the things that we weren't high on no, no, Malik Harrison. There's a pass coming your way, so hang on here. There yeah. we go. <laughs> nice. One of the things that we weren't high on was uh, was the other linebacker, Malik Harrison. We didn't know how he would do in pass coverage because. This guy, he's a, he's a thumper. He's a, a pressure kind of guy. Uh, but I'll tell you what, in this game, he had the pass breakup. He looked good in coverage. He didn't look slow or anything. So, again, for two rookies, I get, you know, granted, they're coming from prestigious colleges. They're coming from LSU. They're coming from Ohio State. They're playing against LSU. You know, they're playing against SEC and, and, and Big Ten competition. I get that. But to come into your first NFL game with no preseason and have the impact that both of those guys had was huge. So when I reference this, I'm going to be referencing those two guys specifically, as well as the entire defense. Let me uh, let me channel my inner my inner Dennis Green here. <laughs> Jesus, they are who we thought they were, <laughs> and we didn't let them off the hook. That's right, we didn't. We didn't. That's exactly what we expected out of this defense and expected out of these two guys, and we got it, right? Yeah. We got it. They delivered exactly what, what we were asking them to do and made an impact game one. Not preseason one, not preseason four, game one of the season, and they delivered. Yeah. I, no preseason, fellas. Carnett, who you talking to? I got you, man. I got yeah, you. I think he, I'm keeping him at bay. I'm trying yeah, to keep him at bay. No, I think he. I think he's referencing uh, the, uh, the whole comment about laying into Prochet. I think he's talking That's about he everything. In, everything way. that we're kind of critiquing. <laughs> and listen, we got to critique a little bit, right? Because we can't just fluff everything and make everything seem like it's great. It was. 38-6, to six, great big victory. But we got to look at everything and dissect every yeah. little piece of this game. Well, uh, I mean, this this defense just was able to really step up, right? I mean, one of the biggest things against the Browns last year, we talked about this, yeah. was stopping Chubb. And guess what they did? They stopped Chubb for the most part. 
Yeah, he had, a, he, he, had a couple of, he had a couple of chunk gains early in the game, uh, but then when they got behind, they just they abandoned the run game altogether and were trying to throw the ball down the field, and that didn't work well in their favor. 27 carries, 138 yards is what they allowed up, right? Yeah. And when you break that down, we're basically looking at just under six yards a carry. It's That's not like stellar, but it's not great either. Right. It's kind of it's average in that sense. But what really helped was the pressure because when they weren't when they weren't trying to run the ball, Baker's trying to throw it. Yeah. And that pressure just got to him. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of sacks in this game. We created a little bit of pressure, but I'm gonna tell you from from my perspective, the defensive front, this whole this whole new look, revamped defensive front played a totally different game than what we're accustomed to, right? Calais Campbell was a guy that I said could probably have double-digit sacks in this defense, especially with the other weapons that he had around him. I expected him to have more of an impact creating pressure, but what we saw out of him in a lot of cases was him actually falling back off the line a little bit. And he had, what, three pass breakups in this yeah, game? for three pass deflections. I, I mean, yeah. granted, the guy's a freaking giant. He's, what, six foot eight, so all he got to do is put his hands up. If the ball's anywhere near him, he's going to hit it. Uh, but we saw that, and you know, uh, shout out to our our guy uh, uh, Spencer. I think uh, I can't think of his name from. Um, uh, yeah, I can't think of the guy's name right now. But he made a good point on Twitter uh, earlier today. Was talking about how he thinks that this defense is going to evolve from going away from pressure and creating pass breakups like that, deflections, which create turnovers. For our defense, which obviously a turnover is going to be more impactful yeah. than a sack. So we could see, you know, that evolve and change over time uh, as well. So here's here's the one argument that name. here's here's the one argument that I would have to say against that. I understand the thought process, you know, that it, it, it creates, you know, it can create a turnover and things like that. But we've seen that happen with sacks as well. You get in there, you force you force the sack, you force a strip, things like that. Getting these tackles for a loss, which we saw once where they were able to strip the ball. So you can you can say that, but it also messes with a guy's confidence. Yeah. Not only not only your your quarterback, right, and Baker here, but it, it's gonna mess with the offensive lineman's confidence. Yeah, I get that. He can't handle him. He's not able to do it. it, it so it's it's to me, the pass deflections, yes, they are great, and they can literally flip a game. On a, on a switch. Mm -hmm. But to me, those sacks and the pressure are bigger. Yeah. And I also think this first game... This also speaks to the improved offensive line that the Browns had as well. That's what I was talking about going into the game. Well, they had a but, much better offensive but line does than they had in the But past. does it if Calais is dropping back one? I don't know that it does. He didn't drop back every play. He wasn't dropping back in coverage. What, he, what I'm saying is he was staying off the lines, reading the quarterback's eyes, and jumping and deflecting the ball. Right. That's how you get three pass deflections. It is. It is. But then do you scheme that next next week? Do we see it schemed that Judon? Depends, depends on Judon, the matchups. I, I say, do I we see this, it schemes that Judon does that and he flips? This defensive line has more versatility than it's had in the past. It has the ability to go either way. Well, and the other side, the other thing that, that comes out of this, right, with this, def with this defensive line able to do this, is we saw the result. Your linebackers, who are labeled as average linebackers, minus Queen. You have rookies. You got a bunch of unknowns. You got a lot of question marks. You, you got also Queen have, and, and Harrison as rookies. You also have Bowser, who got a sack. And the guy who should, if he didn't get a game, damn game ball, he should have. LJ Fort, you said it before the show. Yeah, LJ Fort, in my opinion, had the best game out of all the defenders in this game, I thought. I, he was everywhere he needed to be. 
I mean, obviously he had the great play on the uh, the forced fumble. Yeah. Uh, he, he took really good angles all game long. There's There wasn't a lot to not like about this guy. And, and just to think, uh, this guy was literally sitting on a couch this time last year, uh, and Eric DaCosta pulled him off, and he's been a bargain dive for us. I say he did so we well last him. year, we gave him an extension, and now he's earning that so far. I know it's only one game in, you know, right. knock on wood. It's only one game in, but so far these guys are living up to the the, the hype and living up to the the ask, not even the hype, the ask. We're asking you to do a job, please do it, and they're doing it, and they're doing it well. Right. That's really what it comes down to: is this this unit? They are truly acting as a unit. Yeah. And it, to your point with the deflections, right? You kind of brought up that we really somewhat limited some of their big guys, minus the the few penalties that we saw that OBJ was able to. Yeah, you know, hinker in there if you if you will. They were really able to limit Odell and Landry in this game. Yeah, eight catches combined for eighty three yards. Uh, Beckham's already being talked about in trade rumors after week one in the season. Like it's a shit show in the in Cleveland, like it's always been. I don't care how many targets he's got out there. Baker Mayfield is not the real deal, and if you haven't figured that out by now, well, your name's Cleveland. Uh, but you know, to have Sorry, the targets, targets that they have out there, it's, it's just, there's just no more excuses. I don't know if it's just Baker can't it can't make the throws, or if it's just him and Odell just can't get along, or just can't figure each other out. I don't know. I think I think Odell Beckham is still could still be one of the most productive wide receivers in the game if he's in the right system, and it's just not Cleveland. He is, and the problem the problem and why. You know, Baker was so successful in that first year. And I said this last week. Mm-hmm. Baker was successful in that first year. One of the biggest statistics was how quick he was able to get the ball out. Who was the guy that he was able to, to get the ball out and hit fairly fairly well in this game? David Njoku. Yeah. Who goes down to it, apparently, I guess a knee injury. I don't know when the hell it happened, but yeah. they put him on the I, IR this week. I missed the injury, too, but I saw he did go down, yeah. But so that's that's where he's successful. And now he's overthinking it. He's doing all these different things. And then you got to – you got as much as people say Landry isn't a diva wide receiver, he somewhat is. And then OBJ, who's the ultimate diva wide receiver. All wide receivers have a little bit of diva. There, there is. A little bit there of diva. Is. But, it, look, I don't think it's the right fit. For Baker, I think Baker is another another duff for them. I, I just don't I don't see it working out. But let's 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 get off the Browns. Let's get off the pot. Okay. All right. We're turning the page. We're moving on. We're one and zero as we go out to Houston. Yeah. Take on the Texans. Who Texans come off the loss on Thursday Night Football, the first game of the year for the NFL. Zero and one. Now they now for they did play okay. And considering again. I thought a lot of these first games of the year were going to be totally sloppy with no preseason, and I just really didn't have high expectations hey Fred, for entertaining Fred, football. Stop being nice. You can toot your own damn horn. Go <laughs> just, ahead. I'm just saying. Go ahead. I just, I'm just saying. I thought that there was Go going ahead. to be. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Go I, ahead. I did predict that I thought Clyde <laughs> Edwards-Hilaire was going to have a big game in this game, and he did uh, as the rookie went for, like, what, 135 you yards? You just kept being nice about it. Let's just rip the bait yeah, off. You yeah. predicted it. I, I thought he would. He's on all of my fantasy. Team. So I thought this guy was definitely. But does be, I mean look? Clyde Edwards Hilaire is, is at a high level, right? Yeah. Does that bode well for us now going into this game that they we seem to have seen see them struggle a little bit against the run game here? Yeah. So that's going to be kind of I think. Well, let's let's dive into some of the keys of the game, right? Some things that we need to pay attention to, some notes that we need to make sure that we're paying attention to for this game. And I do think that you know last year, obviously we 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 rushed you know Gus Edwards. 
You talk about yeah. north and south, right? Between the tackles. 112 yards against the Texans last year. We blew the Texans yeah. out last year, 41-7 to at home. Uh, Jackson had four touchdowns in that game. So offensively, we were clicking on all cylinders. I think you go in there in this game with a similar approach. Now, granted, the defensive line is going to look a little different. J.J. Watt wasn't in the lineup last yeah. year when he was here. He's healthy. He's back. Now, with that said, J.J. Watt didn't have a huge impact in that Chiefs game. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie, was able to do what he did pretty right. much single-handedly. Uh, and when you look at the stable of running backs that we have, and you got the Lamar factor in this whole thing, I think the key to this game offensively is a flip from what we did against the Browns, and I think we commit to our running game in this game. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I think you have, you have to look at that. You have to commit to the running game. Uh, you have to, you have to look and design, you know, design the plays and make sure that you're scheming right when you want it. When you're, when you, when you got third down and one, you're not putting like I love him, but I'm not putting a jk out there who can bounce around and and, and run i'm probably going to put the a gus or an ingram who can who's a more north to south runner than jk is jk's jk is so but say jk can do a little bit of it all he, we just he, saw him bounce a couple runs out in that first game he can, he can but he, he bounced out of a he bounced out of a hole that was supposed to be there and then went out it wasn't a design it was a designed run and he he was able to bounce out of when you're when you need to get that yard you got to get that yard right period and Look, bouncing out, yeah. That he he didn't really. I don't felt like I don't feel like he got put in that situation yeah. where it was a third and one situation. And, and J.K., you got to get that yard. Right. It was you know third and four, third and five. He's able to bounce out, and you're expecting him to run to the outside if need be. Right. Um, but for me, the other thing that I think when I look at this, I I look and I say that we have to really control Watson on the flip side of the ball. We've got to create pressure. Class. We were able to do that last year against this team. We had seven sacks last year. I think yeah. Judon had two and Bowser had two just between the two of them. I mean, we were getting constant pressure on, on Watson in this game, and it started right away. In that it game. started early. Watson could yeah. not get comfortable. We were both there for that game. It was yeah. a great game to watch. The, the, the thing that I think when you're looking at this, in this situation, if I'm going to compare you know, last week to this week, right? Mm -hmm. That Calais Campbell dropping back, it's not going to work this week. Okay. It's not going to work with a little bit more experienced, taller, better quarterback as Watson is. We all agree Watson is a way better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Agreed? It's not even a question. It's not even a question. Good. I'm glad. My point is, is you've got to put, you've got to make him feel the pressure. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is to blitz the entire line. And maybe you're, maybe you're letting your, your linebackers do what they're supposed to do in coverage. Think about that last week. Our linebacking core had more sacks than our offensive line or our defensive line. Yeah. Right? That's because they were just creating the holes for them. Now you got to put the pressure on. You can't, Calais, I love you, buddy, but deflect him because you're in his face and you're this far away. Well, part of the reason for that, the reason we didn't get a whole lot of pressure this last week too, the other thing you've got to think into this, the Browns didn't take a lot of shots down the field. A lot of their, I think their average pass attempt was below six yards. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of five. Where our average pass attempt last last week was like 14 something, right? right? 
So it was a lot of those short passes, not a whole lot of time for, for you know, the coverage to create sacks, which to, to, to Garnett's point out there is a lot of our pressure is going to come from coverage. A lot of our sacks are going to come from coverage, right? So a team that's looking to use their speed and get down the field and take longer shots, that's where we'll see some of these, these sacks. And I think this game specifically, we'll see that because what – I think the Texans are trying to do. We all said, why in the fuck did they get rid of DeAndre Hopkins? Stupid move. And I still agree. Stupid move. But what I think the Texans mentality is, it's a copycat league, right? And they're looking at the Kansas City offense and the Kansas City offense is built around speed. It's a track team. And I think what they thought is, well, if we can spend a little less money than than keeping Hopkins, which is a stupid call, but that's what they did. And bring in a couple of speed guys. You already got Will Fuller, which if he can stay healthy, he's a speed guy. You bring a guy like Brandon Cooks, right? Now you got speed on both sides of the football field. You can start taking shots. You got guys that can create more yardage well, in space, that kind of thing. You, I think you, that's their attempt. You make that safety choose, right? right? If DeAndre's out there, I know who the hell I'm covering. Yeah. I know who the hell I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards. Right. But with Fuller and Cooks out there, a healthy Fuller, to your point. I think they, they, there is something that makes sense here, right? I, I Steven, agree. That's that's what we are doing, building a speed team. Yeah, and we're building a speed team, too, and that's where I was kind of going with this. I think when you look at, at everything that they're trying to do, they're trying to get value out of what's there. Yeah. And if you're looking at value, it's kind of – the salary cap is be kind of kind of starting to become money, the money ball of baseball. How far can we still stay under the salary cap but get the production, right? I'm going to spread out that money – against five average receivers mm-hmm. or slightly above average versus paying one way above average top five guy in the league. Yeah. But we, I, all, we all saw the difference that DeAndre Hopkins made for the Cardinals against the 49ers this week, too. Cardinals do not win that game without DeAndre Hopkins. Who else is on the Cardinals? I mean, they've got great players. They've got a lot. Of, they've got uh, they've got yeah, Christian Kirk at wide receiver. They've got the vet in Larry Fitzgerald. Then they've got DeAndre Hopkins. You just proved just my talk, point. What? Who else did? Who else was around DeAndre Hopkins in Texas? No, before? I know. That's I know. my point. Is that they're going out and they're saying we need to get multiple pieces. One piece is great, but if I can have multiple pieces that put out the same production and maybe get, maybe get just a little bit more, that little bit more can put you over the edge. My point in bringing this up was I'm just trying to dive inside the mind of Bill O'Brien, which apparently is a bad place, and I don't want to be. But I'm trying <laughs> to figure out what the thought process was behind getting rid of a top three wide receiver in the league when you've got a young budding star like Deshaun Watson uh, who needs a good number one like that. The only thing I can think of is they saw, hey, well, this is working out in KC. We've got a pretty doggone quarterback. Maybe we get a couple of speed guys around him, and maybe we change our offensive philosophy. And to your point, it gives them the ability to massage the cap in other ways and Fuller, use it for other things. The other thing with Fuller and Cooks is they're hands guys too, right? They're hands guys right. and they're injury guys. Right. They are. I get that. Yes, it is a risk. But is it better Very to have big. two guys that you know can secure the ball out there versus one guy? Right. right. That may be the math that he's putting together. I don't know. Again, yeah. we're not in his head. No. I'm trying to justify. I'm trying to justify it in some way, shape, or form and playing devil's advocate, even though the devil 
Bill O'Brien doesn't need an advocate. Troy, exactly. Will Fuller's good, but he's always hurt. That's exactly why I didn't take him in any of my fantasy leagues is because the production's there when he's there, but it's just when is he going to stay on the field? Right, so let's, let's flip to the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens again and, and kind of go back to this. One of the biggest things that I need to see this week personally out of, out of this offense is I want to see what we saw this week. I want to see the continued spread of the football. Yeah. I need to see something like it. I'm not saying it needs to be five across the board. I'm saying I need to see you targeting all these guys. You want to see, I'll give you a prediction, right? So I think, I think Lamar had what? 25, 25, yeah, 25 attempts. attempts, 20 for 25. I think going back to what we said earlier, this will be a ground and pound kind of game. I think we'll attack them on the ground because that's what Kansas city did. That's what we're built for. I think that's our biggest opportunity is, is ground and pound. I do think Lamar will have under 20 pass attempts in this game. I think he'll be in the high teens. I think he'll be like 18 or 19 pass attempts. But what we'll see is because they're going to be loading the box, we're going to see some down-the-field passes. Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, some of these longer 20-plus yard throws. Maybe a deep Duvernay shot. Right. Yeah. All the shit that everybody wanted to give Lamar crap for, not being able to throw accurate beyond the numbers, outside the numbers, down the field – I think we're going to see Lamar have a big game in a big way, a lot of yardage on few attempts. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, I think he throws for more yardage in this game with less attempts. Really? He threw for 275 okay. last week. I think he throws for more than 275 with less attempts this week. Fair enough. I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting to see because I do want to see them, no matter what he does, in those attempts, I want to see it spread. Yeah. I, I, I can't, you can't become predictable because here's the deal. If you become predictable, now I, I know it's going to be easy to know when when uh, if you have Andrews that lines up outside off you know off the tackle and right. is, is sitting there ready to go. I probably know it's going to be a crossing route. Right. But some of these ones where Andrews is way outside, shit, is Andrews going to go down the middle or is he going to go outside? And while you're thinking about Andrews as a safety, Hollywood's gone. Right. Or if you cover Hollywood, now Andrews is open. Oh, wait, there's Willie Sneed over there in the slot open. Yeah. Like, like I said, like, <laughs> I just I see that as how this offense is going to go. Uh, and any other thing that you got to factor into here, right, is the Texans haven't had much of a running game in years, really since like Arian Foster days, like <laughs> way back in the day. I can't yeah. think of any really good running backs that they've had over the years. But they did well, get – they had Blue last year who, who got him some yardage. Do my boy, Blue! <laughs> no, not that guy. He's like 95 years old. Uh, no, but they do have... He's probably dead, you jerk. <laughs> I think he did die. They, they, do, they do have David Johnson, who they got in this ridiculous trade. He didn't look bad in his first no. game against the Chiefs, but the thing that uh, was kind of telling was he continually ran to the right side in this game, and he had a lot of success to the right side in this game. So that'll be a test for, I think, Judon being able to set the edge on the right side. Uh, even Derek Wolf, I think, will be challenged in this game a little bit. So if we're going to key in on anybody, I think the right side of the defensive line will be tested in this game. Here's the only thing I'm going to say about that, right? We didn't have preseason this year. If I'm a, if I'm a coach, correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, and any, any of you guys. If I'm a coach, I'm going to lead you to believe something that's not going to be true down the road. Okay. Whether it's down the road this week or down the road next week. So while I'm leading a lot right, maybe in the second half of the Ravens game, I flip and start going left. Could. 
right? I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, right? Yeah. Because this, with no preseason, no chance to look at any of these guys, as a coach, this is the big thing I think the Ravens can hold in their back pocket. Yeah. These first four games are going to be the biggest games of the season. Yeah, it's gonna because it's where you get your film from. You've got no film right now. It's not even just small film. sample size. You're setting the tone and what people think key. Yeah. Think your scheme is. Right. I can disguise all I want in these first four weeks and then do whatever I want for at least the next four. I get you. I get you. James. I think that's true on some part, but you know, if you look at the Tennessee Broncos game last night. Henry was their main guy, and they just stopped him left, right. He couldn't get it going. Right. So the Ravens, I, I don't think you can put, like, what they're going to do because we have so many options. Either you're going to run the ball or you're going to throw the ball. Like, everything works for us. We we don't struggle at any time for for offensive side, like for the wide receiver. You know, if you're going to stop that, then we're going to run. Right. You know, you got, like, two of the best running backs in the league, and then you got Lamar on top of that. So – Right. It's hard to even do anything with the Ravens. Right. Drew, Drew just chimed in and said, you're, you're talking about Bill O'Brien, Scott. I know. I know I'm talking about Bill O'Brien, okay? Well, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here and say, if I'm a coach, personally, I am doing everything to scheme and make you question the entire rest of the season. Think about, uh, what was it, that the, the fourth down play that we went for early in the season. It may have been the Miami game, or it may have been the second game of the season last year. That we went for it on fourth down. Hey, that we had Cardinals. Cardinals. It was the second so game. it was a second game. Yeah, you're talking about later. Okay. Yeah. No, we did that yeah. too. But it set it up yeah. for the rest of the season. Everybody's going, are they going to go for it? Are they going to go for it? We went for it so much. That then when it came down to it, it was, how do we game plan? Are they going to go for it? Are they not going to go for it? A situation where we thought they were going to go for it, they didn't. They just came. And then the situation we didn't think they went for it, they went for it. Right. So you, you put everybody on their heels. And this is the season. This is going to separate the men from the boys when it comes to coaches as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I 100% agree, which brings us to prediction time. All right. We're getting into predictions, and right now it's predictions by my bookie because our guys over at my bookie, it's winning season with them. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. That's right. My bookie's doubling, hooking all of our BS up or BSers up would double their first deposit up to a thousand bucks with ten times rollover, Scott. And guys, my bookie has it all. It's got survivors, super contest squares, full season games, individual games, prop bets, which I won eighty dollars on a prop bet this week. It was an eight to one odds that Mark Andrews was gonna catch two touchdown passes or more. Nice. He caught two, so I bet ten bucks and I won eighty dollars back on that. Nice. So it's you gotta be excited for this NFL season and especially go check out those prop bets. There's some good payouts on some prop bets that, to me, are no-brainers. I'm up 150 bucks after one week. It, it, listen, it, it's time to invest in your sports knowledge. Invest in yourself. Use the promo code BirdlandBS, and they're going to double your first deposit up to 1000 bucks. This just adds a whole other level of excitement to your sports you love and the games you bet. It's simple. All you got to do is make that deposit, make your picks, win big, and collect your money. And, guys, again, use that promo code right there. At, it's Birdland BS. Make sure you do that. They'll double that deposit, that first deposit. Start your winning t- season today. Only at my bookie. Who gave this? Gave us this lovely. Yeah, we updated. This it. Lovely new. We don't have Mahomes in here. Nah. There was no reason for that. We, we screw that red. We got yeah. our purple. We got our MVP 
and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't. We had. We had to go. Like, ah, uh, we can't. We can't. This can't stay on here. And they were like, Yeah, here you go. We got you. We so got we, you covered. So we want you guys to participate. Give us your predictions. We want to see what everybody else feels. We're gonna go through the Ravens and all the prime time games as we do every week. Uh, last week, myself, uh, Scott, and James, James all went four and one. Ryan and Brian both went three and two with their games. Ryan and Scott had the picks to click last week as they got both uh, Chiefs games, two games. Yeah. Against the chiefs. Both of them had the score within two points. Yeah. Pretty damn impressive. Uh, I think it was only last year was one game. I think I had that was perfect outside of that. We weren't that close. So yeah, two guys in the first week to have it within two points is pretty impressive, but let's, let's digest this first game. The Ravens game that we've been talking about against the Texans. Scott, it's a one o'clock game in Houston. No fans. How are you feeling? For me, I think I think to your point, I think the run game comes in, but because the run game comes in early in the game, I think the second half of the game we see us be able to exploit uh, the the passing game. I think this is honestly not as big of a blowout as we saw the Browns, but I think we do well. I think and our defensive front is also going to be able to limit the Texans and what they're able to do. So I've got this being a Ravens win, thirty eight to fifteen. What do you got, Brad? All right, so I do think, like I said, I think they're going to attack the game uh, on the ground, which we're going to control time of possession like we normally do, which we did not do against the Browns. That's crazy that was when, you what, sent out, when you sent that out. Yeah, I, I looked at the stat, and we didn't. We, I think we only lost two games last year to time of possession, one of which was against the Browns. We did not win time of possession last week. We will dominate time of possession in this game, which is, I think, the only thing that's going to hamper us from being able to score 40 points in this game because we're going to ground and pound the ball. But I think we still win this one big. I've got the Ravens winning this one 34-20. to 20. Brian, what do you got? I got this being a close game, but I also have it being a shootout. I have this game being high scoring all game. Ah, oh, son of a... My, my damn screen decided to refresh on me. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I got this game being 34 to 31 because no team wants to go down 0-2. So, so you got it Texas, coming down to a field goal. I got goal. it coming down to a field goal. I you think, think our I, defense is going to give up 31 points? That's I do. I, I do. But but that's not that, that's not an indoctrination on do I think our defense is bad. I just think the Texans have so much to lose to go down 0-2 this season. But do you think the they're going to come out? I, I I don't know why. I think their offense be a high is scoring. that good. I it can. Well, when you got nothing to lose, you got to throw the ball. They have no run game. I the mean, Hammer, appreciate you tuning in from Kuwait, man. That's awesome. Thanks, man. I mean, I, mean I, I do understand we have a great secondary, but something just tells me this is going to be a high-stakes shootout, man. Yeah. So, I, I got a 34-31. Uh, James. Well, all of us, uh, the genius, Brad, me, and Brian, uh, we have <laughs> – No, no, it's good. We all have to score 34, and then right. the other two have 38. So, we're, you know, we're pretty close, but I have it going 34-10. to 10. Okay, uh, so you got a little bit the, more lopsided. Just remember who had the closest scores last week, buddy. Uh, oh, you hey, wasn't that far hey, off. Hey, me. That's what we call last week. Just like if you win in fantasy one week, you lose another week. <laughs> you know, last week. All right. Yeah, somebody had to make a trade to beat me this past week. Anyway. Moving on. Thursday night football. Oh, wait. Let's give Ryan's real quick. Oh, Ryan, sorry. Ryan did say 38-17, so he was very close on my score as well. All right, 38-17 for Ryan. Moving on, Thursday night football in the shit bowl. We got the <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals going to. You mean the it doesn't matter bowl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals battle of Ohio uh, going into Cleveland to take on the Browns. This one, man, I tell you, out of all the games, this one had me like thinking the longest just because obviously it's, it's two shit organizations. But <laughs> I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the Bengals game and what Joe Burrow looked like. 
Joe Burrow, to me, looks like the real deal. I think Cincinnati finally found a good quarterback there. Uh, they've got some pieces there. Again, the wide receivers, it's always about health with those guys. Obviously, A.J. Green's a big question mark when it comes to health. They've got some pieces there. And I'm going to give the edge to Cincinnati as far as a more functional organization to be able to figure a way out to go into Cleveland and win. It's a close one. And it might come down to a field goal. And the field goal kicker is the <laughs> kicker who was just released by the Browns and then signed by the Bengals. I think the Bengals stick it to them and win it 20 to 17. I gotta before I give mine, I gotta Steve says Bungles three, Browns two. <laughs> the worst part about I that is, is I think you're giving the Browns defense too much credit. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna to get, get a safety. safety. <laughs> exactly. Burrows is the real deal. So Yeah, yeah. Scott, what do you got? Yeah, for me, I, I look at this and I think I think Burroughs does come out and kind of have a, a, a coming out game here. He's got some weapons. You're going against a defense that, you know, is suspect at best as we proved this week. I think this is going to be a little bit more high scoring game than what you've got. I've got this being a Bengals win, but I've got it being 30 to 21. I think your Baker and this Browns offense have to come back in some way, shape or form. And I mean, what better way to do it than against 21 the Bengals? points against the Bengals really isn't coming back. I, well, I mean, it's something I it's guess. putting points on the board versus six points. I, I mean, what, that's what I'm saying. So I, I've got this being 30 to 21 Bengals win. Uh, James, Brian, what do you guys got? Got it, James. Uh, I got the Bengals winning a close game. They're playing in Cleveland. Uh, it's not like a far drive for any of them. So <laughs> it's nothing about, you know, travel time. I, I feel like the Bengals are going to win this 21-17. And it's funny, Brian, I mean, uh, Ryan has it 21-17, but Brown. So we have the same score. Okay. Like well, Ryan's the lone wolf. I had 20 to 17. You had 21 yeah. to 17. Ryan had 21 to 17. Were you guys looking at my sheet here no. when I made my picks or no, what? But not that. Ryan was the first one to have his in, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Ryan was. Yeah. It's a Thursday night game, so it's probably going to be boring. All right. And, Ryan, what do you got? See, I don't think it's going to be a boring game. It's finally they got a Thursday night football game that's legitimate. That's actually. You want to watch just because of the two teams suck ass. Anyway, nobody cares about that. But anyway, James, uh, I'm glad your face was on screen because my face went, what the fuck are you talking about? It's actually going to be entertaining. And Smoking it, it, the weed. Yeah. <laughs> give me that weed. Anyway, but this, no, I, this, I got this. I got this. Shut up over there. Before you give me crap about flip-flopping. Come on. Get it out. <laughs> get it out. Anyway, anyway, I'm on the Joe Burrow bandwagon, too. I got the Bengals winning this one 17-14 by a field goal. Uh, you and, were, and both, and you were before the show. Because we no, had to curse I, him into this. No, I, I was like. I, you, you anyway, said go Browns ahead, give me first. crap. You yeah, said Browns I did. first. I did. You said Bengals. Anyway, by the way, this Fight game me. this game for Baltimore people, this is, this is the equivalent of Dundalk versus Essex. Yeah, it's the shit ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who gets to claim the shit ball? So, yeah, I get it. All right. Uh, so, moving on, Sunday night football. Seahawks. I, I think this is going to be one of the more intriguing uh, games as far as the primetime games go this week. You got the Cam Newton-led Patriots who looked okay in week one. I'm going to rephrase that. The Bill Belichick-led Patriots. Yeah, true. <laughs> he wouldn't Good out point. there. Stop. Going against Russell Wilson and his Seahawks. Uh, this one in Seattle. I think we're all on the same page with this one. This is one. a clean sweep with Seahawks. Here. But yeah. I, I do have this, this, this being a very close game. I do think Cam Newton and this offense, to your point earlier, where you're talking about no preseason, no tape or anything like that. You got a small sample size last week and what Cam Newton and what this offense is going to look like. I think that that bodes well for the Patriots to keep them in this game. Other than that, 
I think if these two teams faced each other in week 10, week 12, where there's that much footage on tape, I think the Seahawks win this hands down. I do not like this Patriots team long term. I okay. like them right now. I like them right now when nobody knows what to expect with them. But I do not like this team long term. I've got the Seahawks winning this one in a close one, 27-24. All right, James, what do you got? I got the um, Seahawks winning 28-14, but we don't know if there's going to be um, air quality problems. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Mute, James. Brian, your turn. <laughs> anyway, I, I like the fact that Seattle's finally given the keys to uh, Russell Wilson. He, they, they've given him the Ferrari and they're letting him cook. Has some of the T-shirts are out there, which I think that's awesome. I think this is not even going to be a close game. I got this being 28 to 14 Seahawks. This is going to be a blowout, gentlemen. And see, I'm right there with you. I think they've let him loose. Mm-hmm. It, this is hold this on, is. Hold, hold on, he just read my score. Yours is 27. Yeah, yours is 27 21. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, I, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I've got I've got this being I think I think Russell Wilson has been given the keys to the kingdom. The other thing is is I think Seattle's defense. Look, they're they're not Donald. They both suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say the Seahawks suck. No, no, no. I think he was re- he was referencing the uh, the Browns. Oh, the, the Browns. The, the I missed it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but no, I, I think I think they've given they've given it over to him. I see this being a 30 to 17 Seahawks win. I don't see. I think you're gonna find the the, the flaws in the idea of having. Cam Newton, who, in my opinion, is still a washed-up quarterback. This is a Bill Belichick run offense. It's not a Cam Newton offense, and you're going to see that this week. All right, Monday night game. We got one, which I don't know. I know you guys are like, "Eh, I like to go to bed early. I like the two Monday night game thing. I hate it. Hold on real quick, but um, did we put the scoring wrong? Yeah, it's 27-24. Okay, I was going to say because. You got it backwards there. I got it backwards. It's fine. Yeah, no worries. All right, so Monday night football, it's got them Saints. Going into Las Vegas, right? I guess this will be the the season opener for the Las Vegas Raiders. Are they playing in the new stadium? Yeah, I believe yeah, they so, are playing yes, in the yes, stadium. Yes, it's ready. First okay. in the new stadium. I wasn't sure if they were playing. Well, I mean, there when you don't have to have fans there, I guess it's ready. <laughs> yeah, I will say the Raiders' offense looked better. Uh, they've obviously added a lot of young weapons there, especially at the wide receiver. Josh Jacobs, I think, is a good running back. Uh, Derek Carr looks like a better quarterback with the added weapons around him. But I think the Saints are just too dynamic of an offense. For them to have the game that they had and Michael Thomas was not a factor at all yeah. last week, right? He's got a rolled he's got a rolled over oh, ankle. I was to say he also had an injury. Yeah. He's got a rolled over ankle that he got late in that game, though. He didn't have any production in that game well prior to him getting the, the ankle injury. So he's rolling that into this week. We'll see how he plays. They said he's gonna play. Uh, but I do think that the Saints handle this game. I think Alvin Kamara has another big game. What do you have? Three touchdowns in the first game? Yeah. Or no. Yeah. I think he had two and then the third one got called back yes. or something yes. at the end. Yeah. You're one right. or the other. Uh, but I think Kamara has a big game in this game. I got the Saints winning 35-23. So I, I I think this is gonna be, you know, it's gonna be the Raiders are gonna show some offense. We we saw some some things this week that show me they put weapons in front of Derek Carr and he's using them. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, I look at this game. I think he shows that. He shows a little bit more prowess. The Saints defense is not there's nothing stellar about the Saints defense. They are not a top five defense by any means. So because of that, I think that the Raiders are able to put up 24 points in this game, but I think that the Saints put up put up the flop on that. I think they put up 42 points in this game. I got this being the highest scored game of the week, and Ryan and I must be on the same page because he says Saints 42-31. 
All right, Brian, what do you got with this? I got this one not even being close, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. I got this one being 38-17. I just don't trust the Raiders right now. The Raiders are, are a team that has to show me something. The Raiders. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. The Raiders are going to show me they can be an offensive team right now. I just don't trust it. So I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be a blowout by the Saints. All right, James. I have a close game, uh, 31-27. Apparently, Michael Thomas is probably not going to play, but I think he's going to play because it's a Monday night game. Later on down the week, yeah. so I think he's going to play. Okay, all right. So we're we're all on board here with the Saints this week. So Correct. reminder, Ryan four and one, four and one, four and one, three and two, and Ryan three <laughs> and, and two. Ryan three and no, two. But, yeah, why are you pointing? What are you saying, James? Me out. No, it's just funny. I just looked on the notes. He had 24-27 Saints, and it's like. <laughs> Normally, you put the yeah. winning the, score, the winning score first. Yeah. yeah, that's why. That's why I did that because I just copied it. So I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's <laughs> brew of the week. What are we drinking on today? In this cool ass can, a Baltimore purple right. and gold. It's can. not a green can this week. No, I love it. Uh, so this is from Oliver Brewing Company. This is their it's double damn good. Yeah, it's it's their double IPA. Uh, they call it Baltimore. Brewery team established 1993, so they just simply like to call it Baltimore. It's a double dry hop, double IPA, 8.5% ABV, yeah. and for an IPA, fruity. Don't let this sneak up on you. 8.5%, so it's a strong beer. I'm almost, I'm like, I have is, like that much left. I'm yeah, I, I'm almost done. Like, yeah. This is really, really good. Uh, and, you know, I, we get a ton of IPAs on here. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of IPAs to me taste the same. There are very few that kind of stand out. This one here, we bring <laughs> this back on a regular, hey. the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin brew. <laughs> it's one of the best IPAs I've ever had. This, this is the first second. time. This is the first time I've had it. And I'm only through three quarters of my first one. But I got to say, this is right up there. This is a close number two. This, this is pretty good. And shout out, by the way, to Ray. Ray Wiley out there on Facebook, you connected with us and wanted to know how to get up there, how to get it. You went up there. They wanted to give you a shout out this week because you went up there, you traveled up there, and apparently I, it sounds like they didn't say it, but it sounds like you pretty much sold them out of the Steve Austin IPA. Um, so make sure, <laughs> that on you guys, you. make sure that you guys go up there. If you don't believe us, go go message Ray. Ray will tell you they treated him awesome. They love to see him. As soon as I went in this week to get this week's brew, they were like, yeah, you you guys had a guy come up here. They, they drove up here like 20, 30 minutes just to, just to get this this broken skull because you guys talked about it this week. Asmodeus, I, I, know, I don't know if you're from Baltimore or from the area. So this came from our, our sponsor, Liquor Stop on Conowingo Road in Bel Air. They've got it. Well, I don't know if they've got it in stock right now. They tore it. I think Ray cleaned them out. But call them, let them know that you want it. Tell them when you're coming up there. They'll hold some for you. Again, tell them Birdland BS sent you. You'll get your 10% off as Go well. Ahead. Go ahead. This beer is just like the Ravens. You know, don't let it sneak up on you. Oh, yeah, yeah right? There you go. I this like one, it. It'll hit there. you right in the fucking mouth. It's good stuff. <laughs> I like it. Isolate that sound clip for later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's time for some bros, bows, and o's. Uh, we'll see you guys, the Ravens fans that are not Orioles. We'll see you later. We'll see you next week. Uh, the Orioles, they hit a roadblock uh, over the past week with yeah. going to New York. Uh, things did not – they went from being a half game out of a wild card spot to five and a half games out of a wild card spot. So, I get why everybody was kind of, like, freaking out a little bit there. You know, we everybody's hopes were up. But look big picture here, right? 
there's still we're still talking about like winning baseball th- over three quarters of the way through the season at this point. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me correct you. We're 21 and 26. But we're That's... talking about p- potential like wild card. Like that was a week ago, less than a week ago, we were talking about half game out of being in a wild card what's, spot. What's the biggest thing we say about the NFL? A team that's got a losing record being in the postseason. Ah, whatever. If you get in, all those records go out the window, right? <laughs> it's fair enough. I get whatever. But a, a, a losing record team has never won the fucking Super Bowl. So no, that's true. let's chill out. Uh, but no, to your point, I mean, we were, we were behind the Yankees and the Astros for that wild card spot. Now we're five and a half games back from the Yankees and Cleveland for the second wild card spot. You know, the biggest thing that I think we saw this week is the pitching for this team. This is a roller coaster for this team. Not, yeah. not just the, it's the starters, it's the bullpen. When you don't have one, you have the other. When you don't have the other, you have the one. Like it, it's just so back and forth. But the one thing that's been consistent this year, minus his first start, Alex Cobb is not the Alex Cobb of old. And personally, I'm done. Yeah, you know, I'm I, done with the I'm done with the experiment. The first couple of starts of the year, he did look like the Alex Cobb of old. He had movement and he had, you know, he had location. He would get into about the fifth inning and then that's where it would kind of end for him. Uh, but, you know, you're right. I mean, he has not looked good for the last few starts of his, you know, uh, over the last couple of months. Yeah. I don't know what you do with this guy. I mean, I, at this point, right, if you're not really making a playoff run, which the Orioles probably aren't, you got to be happy with the production of some of the young pitching, wait, wait, right? After last last night's game, fourteen to one versus the Braves, you're gonna say they're not. In it. If we do four, if we do four of those games, we're I back just, in it. Not saying anything about the hitting. I'm saying that all I'm saying is, I'm long talking term, about playoff run though. Long term, yeah. I mean, we could still potentially pull off a playoff run, but long yeah. term, right? We're still looking big picture. One of the big question marks has been like. You know, how long is this whole rebuild process going to take and whatnot? When I look at everything that's kind of happened over the last few weeks with some of the young guys coming up, Ryan Mountcastle continues to hit the cover off the ball. You got uh, Cedric Mullins, you know, kind of going into the position that I thought he would. You got Austin Hayes coming back from his injury. You've got all these pitchers that are coming up and doing their thing, but yet you still got some really good key cogs down in the minors. You've got, you obviously – Last year's first round pick in Adley Rutschman. Yeah. You've got all the pitchers in. You've got uh, Alex or um, um, Grayson Rodriguez. You got uh, Wells. You've got yeah. DL Hall. You've got Michael Ballman. A lot of key pieces that we still haven't even seen yet. Not to makes mention- me question how much longer really are we going through this rebuild? I think we're closer than we thought. Not to mention, you know, Heston Kirsten is another guy that she didn't throw in there, but it, right. there, there's thoughts that this kid could be a year and a half two years were removed from the majors um, and being able to make a splash. Yeah. So kind of, I'm glad you brought up some of those guys, right? We talked previously about the, you know, the, the class of, of 20, uh, if it was 2015. Yeah. 20, yeah. 2015 kind of making a splash. Right. So I, I wanted to take a snapshot and I looked at the last 30 games and I looked at, at the top three guys and there was a tie for third, but I looked at home runs, right? Because I think that's, a, it's a pretty good stat. In, in, in 30 games, how's the guy doing? How many home runs are he hitting power, right? Yeah. It's, it's a good sign. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to associate these power numbers with other numbers. DJ Stewart. We've talked about this tear that he's been on. All I do is hit home runs. 11 games, 13 hits through 35 at-bats. He's batting 371 in the last 30 games with 12 RBIs and 7 home runs and a double added in there. Yeah. 14 strikeouts. Five walks. 
So for the most part, he's seeing the ball. He's hitting the ball. Awesome. Renato Nunez. 14 strikeouts and 35 at-bats is alarming, though. It is, but you know what's more alarming? 35 strikeouts and 94 at-bats, which is Renato Nunez, yeah. who's hitting 213 in the last 30. But on the flip side of that is showing signs of power with six home runs. Yeah. Right? So we got to get his discipline better. Ryan Mountcastle, five home runs, 18 RBIs, and this is all 28 hits through 77 at-bats. He's batting 364 through 22 games that he's played so far. This is just, this is what you want to see. And the better number, eight walks. He leads the, the team in the last 30 days in walks. And actually, I believe he actually leads the team this season right. in walks. Mind you, he has been here less than half of the season, and he leads the team in walks. And that which was, was his, his biggest knock. knock. That, was, that was what everybody was saying about this guy. That's why, and when you... When you watch, again, we talk about this every week, just how pure his swing is, how hard the ball comes off the bat. I mean, the, the, the home run that he hit the center field last night or the night before was like 103 off the bat, yeah. off the bat as far as speed goes. It's incredible the kind of strength that this guy had. You know, I, I saw a couple of highlights of him watching him at AAA and at AA and all that kind of stuff, and you get excited about those things. But you don't really relate it to what it's going to look like at the big league level until they're finally here. Yeah. And, I mean, he is just everything as advertised. Um, and then, again, I think the pitching, you know, I, I understand all this, this this hitting is great. And that's – so we've been a decent hitting team for a while now. Even when a lot of our pieces, our big-name pieces left, we were still ranked in some of the top we're categories consistent. as far as hitting goes. Yeah. My biggest question or my biggest concern was how fast were we going to develop some of these young pitchers and how fast could we get them here, right? We're yeah. already starting to see some of these pieces trickle in and do good. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because there were some people that were kind of getting freaking out over Keegan Aiken this past week who came in, makes it less than two-thirds of an inning, mm -hmm. right? Gives up three runs in the game. Uh, I think he wound up walking one guy, gave up – sorry, three hits, four earned runs in that in that. That scenario. Uh, so really early, they pull him out. He was at forty pit or thirty nine or forty pitches when they pulled him out. So really struggling early um, in this game, and that's why they pulled him out. And and that's what you know Hyde kind of alluded to. My question to you, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a two piece question here, depending mm -hmm. on how you answer. Are you concerned about that? Sorry, after such a great two starts that we saw out of him in his first two starts, yeah. Are you concerned to see him get really this Yankees team sees him the second time and roughs him up quick? It's the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees have a damn good lineup top to bottom. Uh, and, and this is they're going to have bumps in the road, right? A lot of these pitchers are going to have bumps in the road. What I don't want to see is I don't want to see our team freak out and send them back down to the minors. You talk about confidence and killing somebody's <laughs> confidence. Yep. You don't want to do that. I think they did that last year with Cedric Mullins, and he was able to power through that, and he's done well since he's come back up now. I don't want to see that happen with any of the young pitching because that can be one of the most detrimental things to a player's growth is by losing the confidence of your manager. So, all right, so I'll get to that part in a second here. Let me give you a follow-up question. Because I think this may have something to do with a lot of our pitching woes. Okay. To me, could all of these struggles be a result of pitch sequencing? Are these young guys 
and even these established guys, are we becoming too predictable at times with the pitch sequencing? Could be. I, I guess one of the, the bigger questions I have is right now, we've got a rotation of three catchers. <laughs> this is true. Between Severino, between you know uh, Cisco and, and, Holiday. and Holiday, right? You got a rotation of three catchers. Is anybody really catching anybody on a consistent basis and getting a rhythm and and getting familiar with your pitchers? Like I think that's that's the bigger question mark. And I think once we get to the point of we see you know Adley Rutschman get here and he starts working in and starting to get familiar with these guys and and oh. and the, the 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 pitch calls and all of that stuff i think we'll see improvements from this staff so this is my argument that as soon as they give the expanded roster which i think is later this week yeah. uh, maybe next week um i'm bringing adley rutschman up i don't care i am too because i want him to start catching some of these guys and he's I tell 100% you what, agree he is you. catching every game for the rest of the season when he comes up he I told Unless you he absolutely needs a day off because of injury or something to prevent injury he is catching every what, game what did I say last year when we drafted him defensively what did I say oh he's remember? the best defensive catcher in our in our system in the second day he came one in. day yeah. one he was Agreed. our best defensive catcher day one and that has not changed it's only gotten better right I think 100% agree with you. He needs to be up here as soon as they go to expanded rosters. At this point, I, like I said, I truly believe, and maybe maybe I'm, I'm just trying to buy into this whole program and I'm excited because we're talking baseball and all that stuff, but I truly believe we're closer to that corner, turning that corner, than I really thought we were. I thought we were still at least two, three years away. I don't think we are. I think we're one to two years away. I think if we get Rutschman up here, we get Grayson Rodriguez up here. We get DL Hall up here. We get Michael Ballman up here. Get the goddamn experience under these guys. Get belt. the experience under them. And next year, if we stick with this type of playoff system that we have this year, which they haven't said they are or they're not next year, if no, we stick, it is, it is next year. That was part of the agreement for this year. So it will was carry it over. Twenty twenty one will be a carryover. If it carries over, I'm telling you right now, even in a full hundred sixty two game season. If those players come up and they're here opening day next year, we're in the playoff hunt next year. I don't I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think there's a lot that's been happening, right? And I think this week I'm going to be blunt with this. I think the Orioles while they say it's a strain, yeah, when it comes to Davis, it's a strain of the brain. That's what it is. He, they, they are, to me, I think this is this team, him going on the IL again, I think he'll be on the IL for the rest of the season, period. My first guess right here, you heard it here. This is them dealing with Chris Davis blocking some of these young guys from getting in. I saw a tweet. But, on but let me ask you this, right? And, and I, don't, I don't disagree with you. But I'm saying, if you're Mike Elias, right? And you're saying that this is their way. He's come to the to the realization that this is the way you deal with Chris Davis is by making him a non-factor and putting him on the IL. If you got to pay this guy either way, whether he's playing, whether he's on the IL, or whether you release him, if you've come to the realization that he does no no benefit, and at this point he is just a brick yeah, wall. I know exactly where you're going with this. Why is he even on the roster at this point? So here's the only thing I can think. Here's the, this is literally the only thing. This is a business, right? You have shareholders to answer to. This is not a Peter. This is And not I a, guarantee you any of those shareholders are like, hmm, fucking let him go. He's doing you no good. He ain't selling any jerseys. He ain't doing nothing. He might, you know, I have but, no idea. But, There's no good. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. But let's also 
think about this again from a business standpoint. You let him go. You know, I'll pay that whatever. Get it off of here. Right. I also got to pay the other guys that are coming up now. Right. That happens regardless. Not if Chris Davis is there because Chris Davis is blocking the spot. Chris Davis is blocking the salary for that guy. Right. I know it's not a lot. But now you're telling me I got to put out another million dollars. But there's no. But my point is, I, there's no cap, right? I'm playing devil's advocate here. Uh, Let's get that first and foremost. This devil's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I, I think you're spot on though. I think I think he needs to go. I think this is their way of blocking him. I saw a tweet out the other day, and I forget who it was, but somebody said it was the the uh, shot of Chris Davis in New York, hard ground out right into the shift and he's out to end the inning. I think that's the last time you see Chris Davis. Not, a, and I agree with this tweet because the tweet said this is the last time you see Chris Davis in the Orioles uniform. It's the last time you see Chris Davis in major league baseball. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with that. I just I think don't, he's done. I, don't I don't know why we're biding time. Just fucking let him go. You can't, nobody else. Nobody's going to pick him. up his contract. Nobody's going to exactly. write. You're not going to be able to give no him portion of his contract period. You're not going to trade him for a bag of balls. You're not going to be able to trade him for anything. If he's blocking your organization from growing, I don't understand the benefit of keeping him on the roster. Yeah. He doesn't even like if he was a, if he was a good locker room guy and a good mentor, Maybe that makes sense. Has anybody ever, ever raved about Chris Davis as a mentor? That I've heard like that he's, oh, he's a nice guy. He's a God-willing guy. He's a good guy. But have I ever heard that he's a good mentor? No. Only thing good I've ever heard about Chris Davis was when he first came up, he did a lot of home runs, and he was a good defensive first baseman. I see. That's Those the, things are out the window at, at this point. That's the only thing that, like, okay, Chris, we're going to pay you, and you're going to be a, a consultant to help our first baseman. Yeah, That's all it. That. Drew, Drew says this is a weird use of devil's advocate. Just saying, look, yeah. I don't disagree with you. I'm pl I'm trying to play the other side of the argument. This devil's is what him an and idiot. I do. If you haven't watched the show, he takes one side. I try to take the other sometimes or vice versa. It doesn't always work because there's really not an argument to be had, and this is one of those cases. Um, but this, this just really comes down to, I think when we look at it, I see that Davis has to go. It's got to go. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Brian. So I, I just brought up a point where, okay, you guys were talking about team leaders, somebody who was part of the clubhouse. He was the leader in that clubhouse. Well, then you're talking about Adam Jones. Why didn't they keep uh, – no, uh, no, so my point was – you're right. I think that would they, be the only reason that would be around. the only, only reason, reason that I could justify well, we keeping him. We haven't heard, but that. we've never yeah. heard that, that about Davis. True. Right. So I don't understand what he's doing on this roster and why we're just not cutting bait. No, yeah, it makes no it, sense. Just eat the contract and move on. Like exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's do a quick social media shout out. Who's been out there tonight? Because I, we're getting ready to go to the two minute warning. This has been a, a relatively quick show. Which I been like nice. it. This is like supposed it. to be. Yeah, All right. Exactly. I'm going to run this network. So we got sales. We got Nick. We got Drew. We got Garnett. We got Troy, Justin, and Steven. Nice. All right. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Any good work. comments out there? Anything? I saw a lot so, of comments. Somebody brought up, I think I think it was Justin or or Nick. Justin, I, I, hey, I good to see you tuning in again, man. I hadn't seen you in the sh in the chat room in a while, man. Hope family's good. So, Hope everything's all right. So this this will probably be the question that that goes with it. Is that who was your favorite pure swing hitter in baseball of all that time? That was that was Justin, and I don't uh, even have to ask yeah. Scott who's his was. Yeah, well, I'm right there with him. So <laughs> actually, I'll play devil's. Go advocate. ahead. Just right. say it. It's Chris Davis. <laughs> no. Smack him. I, I, no. It's Griffey. Is there any more pure swing in baseball? I, I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll, rival, I'll rival a close second. If a you say Ryan Mountcastle, I'm going to punch you in the face. No. No, I'll give you a one. A close second for me growing up was Rafael Palmero. Raphael Palmero had I, one of those purest, <laughs> sweetest swings in the game. Did. 
I'm not saying he's better than Griffey. I give, I give it. lunged at the fucking ball. No, he didn't. He go let back the and bat. watch tape. No, he, he let didn't. The he did not hit the ball. Man. He was so Raffy, effortless. He was so Raffy easy hit off his front foot. He was he so just let effortless. The back I'm gonna go, have to look man. it up because I swear Raffy no, hit off. No, he let that bro. back just flow. He man. had he had that prototypical left hand swing of yeah. just pure that. sweetness. Another one. Uh, back in the day, that that also had a pretty good sweet swing was Harold Baines, and he was a yeah. I think he was a switch, switch hitter, hitter, right? I think he hit both sides. He was a pure hitter. He was a, a very pure hitter, but sweet swing wise, yes. By Ken way, Griffey takes the cake. By the way, but did Raphael Palmer. Did I tell second. you the story about Harold Baines? No, I don't think I don't know. Man, so what he got thrown out by Bo Jackson? My grandfather, my mom's mom. That was that was Harold Reynolds. Oh, I'm sorry, I got him confused. My mom's mom, or my mom's, <laughs> on my mom, <laughs> my mom, her dad, my my grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> Here it goes my, again. <laughs> my grandfather coached and then later in high school umpired Harold Baines. Yeah, really? Yeah. That's awesome. We always called him the, the puppy dog. He always looked like a sad puppy dog. His eyes were all groovy. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought uh, Raphael Palmero. Any other comments out there? And the last one I'll throw to Nick Short, the receiver, he said, what about bringing T. Zizzle back? What are you guys' no. thoughts? No. I think... The team and the organization. Made I don't even a have choice. to play the fucking video. He's making contact with the ball, and he's on Time his out. fucking front foot. It, wow. what, but at what point in his career are you playing that video? Is it near the end? Is it nineteen ninety seven? What is he? I, I don't think he lunged. I think he just he let, didn't I, lunge. He let that. Bad is he not on his front foot as he's making contact with the ball? Right, his, which is right wait, where you want no. your weight to go. No, <laughs> go look at Griffey's swing. Griffey is on the back foot. It's with good hitters. Good hitters are on. He's Your weight transfer the is yeah. at the point of contact. That's where ev- that's where why swings look so effortless because it's not in bat speed. It's in the weight transfer that gets you the power. I thought maybe Kyle Ripken did with his 80s. Oh, Jesus, which which swing? Yeah, half, <laughs> half swinging. Yeah, I, I don't even know where I was going. Now you threw anyway. me all off. Reggie Jackson was an Oriole for a year. That's true. This Pete Rose, true. <laughs> Pete Rose had a had a good swing back yeah, in the yeah. day. Again, Pete, Pete Rose, pure hitter, the best hitters in the yeah. game, a yeah. pure yeah. hitter. He yep. had a weird stance. At, well, but that. you've seen, we've all seen the video. You guys have seen he the video. Lefty too. Lefties have better swings than Rose. Yeah, oh. lefties look more natural. Right. But you've also mm-hmm. seen the video of him talking with A Rod and Frank Thomas, right? Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, that's you know, there's amazing. six things that I did. I moved up in the box and moved back in the box. I moved yeah. into the plate and moved away he from the plate. He never changed his swing. Up, I choked down. He, he never changed his swing. Exactly. He changed where he stood in the MLB box. Best, best advice in baseball, 100%. period. Agreed. MLB needs to get him in there. Stop playing the game. Oh, I know. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah that's, that's a big that miss sucks. on MLB's part. Yeah. Jet. They're not. It's time for the two-minute warning. All right, guys, it's time for the two-minute warning. I have not looked at these questions yet. <laughs> no, oh, it's not that bad. Do the one first. Uh, no. You said it. Yes. Uh, Damn it. What do you got to do, like rock, paper, scissors? For, like, know. who goes first over here? Here we go. All right, hold on, hold on. I got to get there. Yeah, damn, this left. I was pissing me off. Oh, man. It's on me. Hold on, hold on. I apologize. Yeah, the Mac holding it up. Problem. Drew, Drew Nickerson, Gwyn, best hitter of all time. <sighs> I, I will, I will, I will argue. I, look, he is a close second. Uh, yeah. Pete Rose, Pete Rose. In my opinion, go back and look Pete, at his stats. Pete look at his Rose, swing. He is Brett George the, is another one that had Pete, a really pure uh, swing. Yeah, Pete Rose. Yeah. 
We're talking about he's just talking about best hitter of best all time. Best pure hitters of all time. Pete Rose, Tony Gwynn, Ted Williams. Oh, three best I'll hitters. Name that top three like that. In that order too. Yeah. yeah, well. All right. So as you guys know, is that the uh, World Series is gonna be played in a bubble. What you guys don't know is that the uh, World Series is gonna be played in Austin, Texas. I'm gonna get your guys' thoughts on the World Series being played in a bubble. Uh, I guess it kind of is what it is. I mean, <laughs> I like the fact that they're playing in a new stadium. At least that gives something of a fan appeal to it. It's not the same old shit. If there's not going to be any fans in there, how much of an appeal is it really going to be to an outside audience? Uh, at the end of the day, this whole bubble thing is new for everybody, right? And it's just an adjustment we're all going to have to get used to. And I think you're going to probably see something similar, uh, a smaller audience for the NFL when it comes Super Bowl time. Look, I think it's it's a smart play on their on their part, uh, but it's also an amazing play on the Texas Rangers part to be able to agree to this because you're going to see a stadium that never nobody has ever seen before and you're going to want to see things and you're going to see things that you're going to want to go see. So it's just going to drive ticket sales up for them, in, in my opinion. I think it's a smart move for the Rangers, but for MLB, eh, whatever. So what was your most shocking loss of the week one in the NFL? I think my first, I guess the most shocking loss was probably the 49ers losing to the Cardinals, and it's not because I didn't think the Cardinals were going to be good this year, right? It's just the Cardinals added a big piece in DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't have any preseason games, right? They, they're still working as an offense and trying to figure each other out. And you go against, in my opinion, one of the top Super Bowl contenders in the NFC in the 49ers, who I think are one of the most well-rounded teams to upset them in week one was a big accomplishment. I think it was a big upset. Biggest biggest upset to me and biggest surprise to me, the shit show that is the Washington Red... Oh, well, I'm sorry. Washington football team uh, <laughs> defeating the Eagles 27-17. Eagles fans are losing their fucking minds. They're burning jerseys. Eagles had They're a big lead crazy. in that game. 27-17, they got one of getting blown out by 10, 10 uh, points in that game, having the lead to start. Look, seventeen and that to me that is the biggest that is the biggest upset of the week. When you, we who thought Washington would beat Philadelphia in the first week? Seriously, yeah, that is, that is none true. of us. <laughs> absolutely true. All right, Scott, sign us off, man. All right, appreciate guys. everybody tuning in. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. We appreciate all your comments, all the chats. If you guys have any ideas for the show, make sure you shoot us a message. Also, visit us on our website www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes. Learn about each of us. You can talk, Stay contact tuned us. for after hours. Get us some Birdland BS. Get yourself some Birdland BS gear. Visit BigPlay.com, the Big Play Twitter page. Download the Big Play app. Make sure you also check us out on Birdland Sports. Go put your bets in at my bookie. Yes, my bookie. Birdland BS. Use that promo code. We're not just BSing you. The two of us have already been making money. Yeah, Ryan's making money too. Yep. Everybody that yep. I know that has been betting has done really well. Go get yours. Yeah, good odds, easy system. User interface, amazing. Make sure you also follow us on all of our social media pages at Birdland BS. If you're looking on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, at Birdland BS is how you find us. On Twitter, at Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, at Bartender underscore Blake, <laughs> at James Bond. 20 underscore 2032. What the fuck's with the underscore? Really? Boy, <laughs> Pretentious 007. Anyway, as always, be sure to check out the audio version of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go check us out. Make sure you also leave us a review while you're there. Guys, thanks for tuning in. And always, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. We appreciate all your comments. Stay tuned for the after hours portion of the show where we answer all your questions for Fred, myself, 
Bartender Blake and James. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Yeah.